You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Girl, the way Halle Bailey slayed that Little Mermaid red carpet look. She said, part of your world. Ah! Oh my God, did you hear did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys! Jake has a podcast. Jake has a podcast. Oh my God! Jake has a podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, the LA premiere of The Little Mermaid starring Halle Bailey just happened in Los Angeles. And oh my pod, it looks so beautiful. Everyone on the carpet was turning looks, stunting pretty. And every promo for this movie looks absolutely ridiculous. I cannot wait to see it. Halle Bailey, unreal. I mean, just unreal. She's absolutely stunning. The vocals, duh sings the house down boots but i cannot wait to see her rendition of ariel the mermaid y'all let's dive right into this week's broadway world recap we must talk about the casting announcement for little shop of horrors at the muni this summer you guys robin de jesus and patty murin are both set to star in little shop at the muni i cannot even tell you how freaking obsessed I am with this casting. Robin DeJesus as Seymour and Patty Murin as Audrey. Girl, do I need to make my way to St. Louis to see this show? I guess the answer is yes. It was also just announced that Some Like It Hot is going to launch a North American tour in the fall of 2024, which is kind of wild to me because the show really didn't open that long ago. And though it has been met with like such critical acclaim, it's kind of crazy that they already have this like certainty that the show is going to do well enough to like warrant a national tour. So I will be very interested to see what the casting process is like for the show and how long it takes to get it up and running before they actually open in the fall of 2024. It's also interesting to me how you replace such incredible people like Jay Harrison G and Christian Borle. I'll be interested to see what they come up with in terms of casting. And lastly, you guys, I'm so sad to report that after many ups and downs, 
It was just announced that Bad Cinderella is set to close on Broadway on June 4th. I'm kind of bummed about this only because I know how hard all of these artists have worked to put up such a huge production. Obviously, the show was met with a lot of critiques, mine included, but I did see the show and I did have a very fun time. So it always makes me sad to see a production close and I wish everybody at Bad Cinderella the best. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. He is a Seattle-based playwright, composer, lyricist, and performer. Please welcome Mr. Justin Huertas. Welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. How are you? I'm so good. I'm in Seattle. It is 10 a.m. I'm drinking my coffee, and I am, I'm ready. <laughs> Work. Tell me about Seattle. Is that where you're from? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I grew up here, which is why Lizard Boy, my my show, is based in Seattle. It's um, I'm I'm a lot of the original musicals that I write are like love letters to the city that I grew up in. It's gray today, but all weekend it was really nice. So I got we got a taste. We call it summer preview here in Seattle. We got summer preview <laughs> this past weekend. Yes, I've only been once, and it was in the winter, so I didn't really get the the full like Seattle experience. But I would love to visit in the summer and you know get the the full weather. Yes. Um, but so you mentioned it. You mentioned your story, your your show, um, Lizard Boy, and I cannot wait to hear about it. Um, for the listeners, this show is already an award winning creation by Mister. Justin Huertas, and now it's going to jump across the country and have its off-Broadway debut at Theater Row this summer. I am so excited to hear about this show. It is crazy. Yeah, I've been working on it for, I mean, I was commissioned by Seattle Rep um, here in Seattle to write myself a show, which is already insane. I was in my early 20s, and the then-artistic director, um, Jerry Manning, uh, was just like, oh, you're an actor who also plays cello? You should write yourself a show. And I'm like, yeah, whatever that means. And um, <laughs> and so he paired me up with this wonderful playwright named um, Andrea Allen, who kind of coached me into like writing diary entries, essentially. And then we kind of zeroed in on one where I made up a story about myself with green lizard skin. And so they were like, whoa, what's this? And so we focused in on that. And then it sort of became Lizard Boy. It premiered in 2015 at Seattle Rep. And we've been working on it ever since. Love. Fantastic. Well, I was, you know, fiddling around on the the interwebs and trying to do my research on the show. And um, it looks so fun and beautiful. The music is excellent. There's, you know, full cast recordings um, anywhere that you want to listen. But um, I was so taken by this, the story and... um, I think it's really exciting that there is the element of queerness and also amplifying, you know, BIPOC narratives. I'd love to hear about um, how maybe your personal experience and your your background has informed how you go about creating musicals and specifically Lizard Boy. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because like Lizard Boy is the first thing I ever wrote. I had no experience except for like one playwriting class in college and um and so when we when we kind of focused in on this this story that I made up about myself, um, it was it sort of came from uh, Andrea, the playwright would um, kind of prompt me sometimes with my journal entries, and she'd say, "How about today you write about your family? How about today you write about your coming out story?" And so when I was asked to write my coming out story, I thought that's going to be really 
boring because my coming out story is literally like, yeah, I told my friends and family I'm gay. And they were like, yeah, we know. So, um, <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, I need a way to like make it more dramatic. So I'm going to give myself green lizard skin and say like all the drama in my life is because of my green lizard skin. And it's so funny because as we developed the character and as we developed the story, I really like, I, <clears throat> I was writing from a very, a very, um, deep and instinctual place. I didn't even know that I was writing about my experience actually growing up with skin that was different from everyone else around me. Right, um, quite as literally. Filipino American, I, I grew up in very white spaces, and um, and and as I'm writing Lizard Boy, and as people, as audiences are connecting with Lizard Boy, like over you know some public readings that we have before world premiere, um, uh, I'm starting to realize, oh, like that's actually what. I'm writing about. It's not just some like random, like hilarious, like green lizard skin guy who's just really, his life is so hard. I'm writing about myself. Um, so, uh, so yeah, being able to like understand what I was doing <laughs> really changed the trajectory of the story and really helped me understand the story that I was telling. Um, on top of that, as a queer person, I, I, I knew from the beginning that I wanted uh, Trevor, the the lizard boy main character, to be queer, but I didn't want the source of his trauma to have anything to do with his queerness. I just wanted him to be gay, mm-hmm. and that is just a given. And so I'm really proud of that aspect of the show. He um, he he he's kind of a, a recluse who who stays inside all year because he's too uh, ashamed to go out in his you know green lizard skin. Um, but he does leave once a year on a, a, a fictional holiday called Monster Fest uh, where everyone is dressed up in crazy costumes. So he blends in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decides um, this year on Monster Fest, he's going to try and find a friend on Grindr. And, uh, and then he ends up <laughs> meeting the man that he kind of um, falls for. Love it. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah. tale as old as time, falling for as old as time. On it's Grindr. very standard stuff, you know? <laughs> I love it. That's so exciting. I mean, it really is so important now more than ever to have um, queer representation and also, you know, BIPOC representation on stage. And I think that it's sort of um, excellent that our timing just so happened to work out that we are recording on the first day of AAPI Heritage Month. Yeah, we have an Asian American Filipino on the pod. I'm just so thrilled to have you. So yes. I'm, I'm I'm just delighted. But um, I want to hear about the sort of um, background that you have as a writer. Did you always know that writing was going to be an element of your life, or was performance and um, how you mentioned cello um, were those you know the elements of, of art that you focused on first? You know, what's interesting is that I um, I didn't set out to be a playwright. Um, it really wasn't until I wrote Lizard Boy that I found a passion for it. And um, and after that, uh, uh, some, some theaters here in Seattle then commissioned me to continue writing more shows. So now I have this, like, awesome kind of um, repertoire of, of musicals that I've written for Seattle um, that are all, like, kind of magical, magical realism stories like Lizard Boy, where there's um, some kind of, like, cool, fantastical, fairy tale, fantasy, sci-fi element. Um, but I use it to tell a very human story. Um, and I think, like, I mean, I, you know, I, 
I didn't set out to be a playwright, but um, I've been a storyteller my whole life. And I think that's where where writing came very, very naturally to me because as a child, I wanted to be a comic book artist, a Disney animator. I would draw and draw and draw. I drew myself as superheroes. I drew my friends as superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine like if I were one of the X-Men or one of the Power Rangers, what would I look like? What would my color be? Um, and uh, And then I picked up the cello and realized, wow, I can tell a story with the cello. And so I would choose these solos that had so much drama to them and very romantic. And then I found um, theater and acting was so much fun. But my first musical, I think, was the first time that I understood that all the skills I had been accumulating over my entire life kind of all intersected at musical theater in terms of the acting, the singing, the music, the visual storytelling, all of it, it mm-hmm. kind of came to a head at musical theater. Um, and now that is my favorite medium to work in. I love writing musicals because there's just so much possibility and so much emotion and um, and, and so much opportunity for all kinds of storytelling. Um, and it surprises me sometimes that, um, that, that, you know, the things that I'm writing end up being so um, new in a way, you know, a, a story that, that centers a, a BIPOC um, he, superhero um, who is also queer um, and the queerness is just a given in his life. I mean, that, um, surprised me that I was like kind of on the front line of that kind of storytelling. It was really <laughs> right. You're like, it was really is this really felt... cutting edge? Are we really? Yeah. <laughs> like I've been alive for this long. How is this possible? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But it's people like you who, you know, are paving the damn way, which yes. we're so grateful for truly. <laughs> Well, you mentioned um, your commissions with Seattle Theatres, but you also have a very thrilling commission by the one and only Kennedy Center. Can you tell me how that came about? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that was one of the most random, amazing uh, happenstances. Um, (laughs) uh, So so Mary Wynne Hyder is a wonderful author who wrote this... this, this middle grade novel called The Mortification of Fovia Munson, um, which centers a 12-year-old Filipino girl whose parents are doctors and own a cadaver lab. And the parents want her to be a doctor so badly, and she does not want to be a doctor. She doesn't quite know what she wants to be, but she's stuck working at the lab for the summer. And uh, she hears voices from the lab. She goes in and encounters uh, three disembodied heads who dream of becoming a barbershop quartet. And so the story (laughs) kind of revolves around her supporting these uh, uh, these heads and, and and helping them achieve their dream, um, and and Mary Wynn and uh, and our director uh, Graham Smith um, were looking for a composer, and you know with through the power of Google and YouTube they found me <laughs> and reached out to me and I was like this is completely up my alley um, and so and then they said okay well, great well we're going to propose uh, this project to the Kennedy Center and, and hopefully we'll get a commission. And I was like, okay, whatever that means. Um, yeah. And then like two weeks later, suddenly I'm getting an email from a Kennedy Center person saying, all right, let's talk about the terms of your agreement. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? Whoa. Hey, whoa. 
so so yeah that's been in the works since um january 2020 and um and since then we've just kind of been waiting in the you know the theater pandemic line for our moment and yeah and then it just it just happened um this past this past uh winter and we we got to run the show in march so that was and what did you say that story was called that show the mortification of fovia munson (laughs) just rolls right off the tongue i love it just rolls right off the tongue yeah i mean there was a moment when mary Wynn. so mary Wynn heider the author she also wrote the book of the musical and i wrote the songs um and uh and she had a moment where she was like should we just call it mortified and i was like but the mortification of fovia munson is such an awesome title we can't change that title (laughs) so because of me and because i fought for it (laughs) i made them keep it (laughs) we got this brilliant (laughs) it's like a poem with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That's so <laughs> thrilling. How, how amazing. So what was the, um, the timeline of working at the Kennedy Center like? Or are you still in commission with them? Is it like an ongoing no, yeah, partnership? So- so we uh, we were commissioned in 2020. Our first workshop was going to be in May of 2020, and then it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we basically pushed a couple years. So our, our first workshop ended up being in February of 2021. Wait, 2020? It's 2023 now. Wow, you guys. I know. Like Time? What time is it? Time is not real. <laughs> Last year, which was 2022, we had yes, workshops okay. in February. We did auditions for actors in June. We came back for a workshop with those actors in October. And then we got into rehearsal um, at the end of this past January. Um and yeah, rehearsed the show, put it up, and it ran for like three weeks in the, it's it's for their Theater for Young Audiences um, uh, space, which is the family theater at the Kennedy Center. And um, and yeah, it centers a, a Filipina, um, a Filipina-American girl and her family, and, and we had two Filipino actors um, in the, in the cast. And I didn't know until we were in rehearsal that, um, you know, they, they said to me, you know, this is the first Filipino story we've ever had on stage in the D.C. area. And I was like, wow, what? That's one of those things where I'm just like, but I've been alive this long. How is right. this the first? How is this the first thing? So um, so because of that, we had such amazing support from the Filipino community in the in the D.C. area. A lot of people showed up, which was really cool. And um, and I got to meet a lot of really awesome Filipino artists over there. So um, so that was dope. I love DC. I want to go back. I want to go back. So maybe they'll hear this and be like, "Hey, we should bring Justin back." I don't know. <laughs> well, that's just amazing that you had such such a warm 
you know, welcome from the Filipino community in that area. I think it's, like I said before, it's just so important and I'm excited to see, you know, that more and more creatives are actually um, saying we're here and we're going to tell our stories. We're not just going to be the people who, you know, write it and then put somebody else on stage. You're like, no, no, this is, we are the creators and also the performers. And I think that's so exciting. Um, and that's this lizard boy and, and this other hilarious sounding creation are not the only (laughs) things that you've written. Um, I would love to hear also about Lydia and the troll at Seattle rep. Yes. So that is Lydia and the troll is also a show that's been waiting in the pandemic theater line. Um, we, uh, so, so Lydia and the troll is a show that I, um, in the last week of, um, uh, the Lizard Boy's original run at Seattle Rep, I called myself into a meeting um, with the then interim artistic director, Braden Abraham, and I said, hey, dude, you have to let me do this again. So you have to commission me, and I have these ideas. What do you like? <laughs> and and he, chose, uh, he chose one that eventually sort of like morphed into an Alice in Wonderland through Seattle kind of story where each, like, there there was a, you know, we have a lot of, like, magical locations that I believe are magical here in Seattle. There's, like, Pike Place Market. There's the Space Needle. There's, uh, and we have a a statue um, called the Fremont Troll, which was commissioned in the early 90s. It's this really huge concrete sculpture of a troll that's, like, holding a VW bug in its hand. And, uh, and it's kind of a Seattle staple. It was in, um, uh, I know the movie, the movie 10 Things I Hate About You filmed in the Seattle Tacoma area and they had one scene at the Fremont Troll. So, (laughs) so that's like the Fremont Troll's claim to fame is is 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, But, uh, but I had that as part of this like wonderful Alice in Wonderland journey. And then I started zeroing in on the troll and being like, oh, maybe this is the thing that I'm excited about. So then I started writing uh, this story, uh, Lydia and the Troll, which is about uh, kind of an up and coming uh, aspiring music producer um, who's like, she's trying to level up, but she's kind of stuck in this codependent relationship um, with an uh, a, an equally kind of broken human uh, named Pete, and and she's just very vulnerable. She's really insecure, which uh, leaves just enough of an opening for a troll in disguise to come try and steal <laughs> her life from her. Um, <laughs> so um, very straightforward. Yeah, it's. I mean, I tell very straightforward stories. Um, <laughs> So, and you know, and it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's part, it's partly my life because I too was in a, a codependent relationship with someone who was also broken and like we, it, 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 it kind of imploded and it was very melodramatic. And so I wrote that into this story and then we brought on um, a wonderful director named Amina Kaplan, who became my co-creator because she then started pouring aspects of her own life into the character of Lydia. Um, and, uh, and so now we, we have this really amazing complex story and we were going to put it up in 2019. And then Amina was offered the role of the resident director on the Lion King national tour. So, so Seattle rep was like, okay, great. Let's wait a year so that Amina can go do that. Sure. And then we can go come back to it in spring of 2020 and Mm -hmm. then spring of 2020. Um, so. God damn it. 
I know everything. So we've we've been waiting, and 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 finally, 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 we're we're in tech right now for Lydia and the Troll, and it feels so surreal. I'm just sitting there with stars in my eyes, a huge smile. The music is so fun and loud, and and the the lights are so. I mean, Robert Aguilar is our lighting designer, and he's such a genius. And I'm just like watching all of these people's, um, I don't know, creative genius collaborate and mesh and turn into something that like is so much better than what I imagined so um so yeah and it opens May 10th and runs for a month fabulous and are you performing in the show as well as being on the creative side so so I um this is one of the shows that I I wrote for a friend of mine my friend um Sarah Russell is playing Lydia um, and, uh, and, and she's also been on this journey too, ever since the first workshop in 2017, she's been a part of it. Um, and, uh, and that was always kind of the, I, I knew from the beginning that this was going to be a story that, that, that I was not going to be inside of, um, as an actor, um, which is also really lucky because, uh, because Lizard Boy off Broadway, um, is is it has a little too much of an overlap with Lydia and the Trolls. So Lydia <laughs> and the Trolls is going to open on May 10th. I'm going to fly to New York on May 11th, and I'm going to start rehearsal on May 12th. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's the working performer's life. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's yeah. so exciting. I can't wait to hear how that show goes, and um, obviously I can't wait to see Lizard Boy when you guys come to off-Broadway in New York City. Have you spent any extended amount of time in New York City before? Um, no. I mean, no. Wow. Yeah, I think the longest I've been there has been for a two-week workshop of my friend Timothy Huang's musical American Morning. Um, and I was there for a workshop at Playwrights Horizons. Uh, but, like, two weeks, I think, is the longest time I've ever spent there. Um, uh, one of our other actors... Well, I guess two of our actors. So, so Lizard Boy is three people. It's me. It's Kiki Delore, who plays the role of Siren, the the awesome comic book supervillain. Um, she lived in New York for like three years, um, and then ended up moving back to to Seattle right before the pandemic. And then um, the third actor is William A. Williams, um, Bill Bill Williams, who is based <laughs> in New York. So, like, so I visited those two. But yeah, I myself. Um, this will be the longest time I've ever spent in New York. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm nervous because I think I was you know I was here in the middle of the summer in like twenty oh gosh twenty eighteen, and it was so hot and humid and I I had a lot of trouble existing. Um, I was just <laughs> like I was just like wet <laughs> the yeah. whole time. <laughs> it's a little it's a little much. I am like notoriously just a sweaty Betty, so the summer here can be <laughs> can be a lot. Bring a fan, bring a water bottle. Yes. <laughs> Walk yes. around in a G string. I don't know. I know, right? I'm used to like Seattle, which is like when there is summer, which is for a very short time, it is very dry. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is very easy for me. To, I'm very acclimated to Seattle. So when I go anywhere else on the East Coast, um, I, I went to Atlanta once and I was like, oh, I couldn't. I can't. I have to leave now. I have to leave <laughs> right now. Hot Atlanta. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, I'm very excited to be part of your welcoming committee to New York City. Thank you. Of course. So did you 
um, go to school for um, either like cello performance or writing or performance? Or did you have any um, like element of, of quote unquote higher education when it comes higher to arts? education? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I picked up cello when I was 10 years old and I was taking private lessons all through school. Um, and I originally was accepted into college. I went to Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington. And um, and I was originally accepted into the music program um, for, for cello performance. Mm-hmm. And then my senior year, of, after I accepted, um, my senior year of high school, I was cast as uh, the major general in Pirates of Penzance. Um, and the experience of being the major general where, like, I was in this, you know, I was in this ridiculous, colorful costume and I had this rainbow parasol. And every single time I entered, I got an entrance applause. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, this is what I want to do. I think I want to do this. So, uh, so I, I went to PLU and studied theater instead, but I kept up with my cello and um, and and a, a lot of times when they cast me in roles at PLU, uh, they would incorporate the cello. I was the MC in cabaret and I played the cello. I was uh. Festy in Twelfth Night and I played the cello and um, and and yes, yeah, so I was able to keep it up and which was great because you know then like Lizard Boy became like oh this was the thing that I was leading to. Mm-hmm. Maybe all my life <laughs> because it combined everything. But yeah, I studied um, acting and directing um, and took one playwriting class. Uh, so a lot of the a lot of the stuff that I learned in writing was on the job. <laughs> wow, one playwriting class and look at you now, headed to Broadway. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, yeah. I'm I'm fascinated by writers and creatives who can not only, you know, put their brain onto paper, but, but do it so actively. And, you know, you're not just working on one thing at a time. You've got, you know, clearly your, your fingers in many things going on. Um, but I would love to hear if you would like to share about, um, how you even start writing. I, I myself have written songs here and there um, or had ideas for a play or whatever, but I've never been able to articulate what I am trying to convey through a song or a scene in the way that I would love to. And I think it's, it would be really exciting to hear how you, how you go about creating either a scene or a song or a melody or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I, I was obsessed with Sondheim in college, <clears throat> as I'm sure many of us were. Of course. And, uh, I, I, and I, 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 I decided that my, my senior project, um, at, at school was going to be on Sondheim and his music. Um, and so I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, love and respect for the, the, the work that he did. Um, and, and I also grew up on pop music. I grew up on, you know, literally like Spice Girls, boy bands. I mean, Alia, TLC. Like I, I listened to. Period. Uh, uh, yeah, all of that. Like and TRL. I watched TRL every day after school. <laughs> um, and I and that was the music that I loved to listen to. So so after college, when I started kind of like dipping my toe into songwriting before the Lizard Boy Commission even happened, I started kind of trying to understand what, how to, how to combine, like, everything I learned of Sondheim's methods in terms of, like, 
uh, like like pitching a singing voice close to where that person's speaking voice is, so this right. so the transition is seamless, to like you know maybe the person's emotional state uh, um, uh, influences the shape of the melody in some way. If it's more if it's more anxious, does it flip up and down and up and down, or does it go in one tone in a straight line? Is it part of me? Is everybody there because everybody's there? Is it like is it that? Um, <laughs> Uh, and so I started like trying to understand if they're like, like w- what, uh, what that kind of philosophy looks like on top of pop music and, uh, and how does, how does an emotion, uh, uh, kind of influence the melody in, in a pop song. Um, and that was a, that was something that I got really, really excited about as I was writing Lizard Boy is, uh, are these, um, the, these kinds of like these these melodies and and how to how to motivate the melodies really um, one of the one of the songs that people kind of find the most um, which is random on Spotify is um, from from Lizard Boy's A Terrible Ride when people when I ask people how they found Lizard Boy they a, a lot of times they say oh A Terrible Ride was on a random playlist that I listened to and then I just found the musical through that and um, and that's a that's a song that I I wrote from um, a place of like I know that in that moment in the story Siren has tried so hard to make to 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 achieve her goal and she failed. Um, but I also knew I wanted a rock song, so like how do I express the frustration of failure <laughs> through? A, a a catchy like hook um and uh and for me yeah and it was just kind of like um a lot of t- for 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 writing writing the chorus of a terrible ride was very much like um what is the anger part the anger part is the four to the floor i fought and fought hard and i could have died but i got scarred and like um and then uh and then the, the the frustrated sadness of a terrible ride ride, um, and so a lot of it for me is 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 it comes from a place of emotion first, because um, because when I'm writing a song, it will often be uh, it will often start from just writing phrases, writing phrases that the person is feeling, um, and and for a terrible ride, it was I fought hard. Um, I got scarred and I would just like write phrases, decide which phrase is like the most exciting to me um, or maybe has the most, I don't know, passion or emotion behind it and then figure out how to sing it. And then once I figure out how to sing one phrase, I'm like, okay, so if that's this phrase and this is how it's sung, what does the rest of the song sound like? And then I kind of like build from there. So um yeah, yeah. That's kind of like the the main thing that I do is starting with with words, starting with words, and then and then it's uh, back and forth between melody and then words, and then melody and then words. Wow, that's so fascinating. <laughs> that is just so cool. And so then, do you find that there is a big difference in how you um, approach? creating um like lyrics or or melody um when you are working with an already existing book or you're working with people who are are creating the story you know 
with you as opposed to just you doing it all on your own? Are there like elements of, of songwriting that have to be adjusted when you are collaborating as opposed to completely creating something by yourself? You know, what's interesting is I um, uh, haven't had to change much from, <laughs> from <laughs> of what I do because, you know, what I like to do is start with a phrase. And then um, if I am working with someone who, uh, you know, like, for instance, with the mortification of Fovia Munson, um, you know, we are, we're adapting from Mary Wynn's book. And so I'm reading the book and then, you know, when, where generally I would write a bunch of phrases and then find an exciting one and try and sing it. Now there's just a book of phrases and I can like zero in on the text that I think uh, might serve uh, the story really, really well as a song and try to expand on it. And, um, and, and yeah, the, the method kind of stays the same, but, um, but now I, you know, now I have uh, a book writer to like bounce ideas off of. I'm like, okay, great. Well, and especially working with Mary Wynn, who, is the book writer and the writer of the book. <laughs> so, yeah. so I can like, I can say, Hey, so this phrase is awesome and I want to use it, but here's a bunch of other words that you didn't write in your book. How do you feel about them? And, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and that's that collaboration kind of moves forward in that way. And Mary, when for the most part, will be like, this is awesome. Keep going. And, um, and, we'll, and, and, and just making sure that everything that I do um, as I'm writing a song just brings us closer to the core of the character, um, especially if it's a character that I didn't create myself. I'm very, very, like, I'm very cautious. Not cautious. I'm very um, thoughtful about um, about how I create and making sure that the, the my, my writing partner has um, as much say in it as, as I do, um, even if I'm, I'm the composer lyricist. Like, she gets to decide, you know, she gets to help me decide how, how to express this character. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sure, and I would imagine, too, that there is definitely an element of ownership and um, sensitivity sometimes when working with with new people or even, you know, like longtime collaborators where, you know, you could cross a line or cross a boundary where someone's like, oh, wait, this, this is really, really important to me. And I, this needs to stay or this needs to go, you know, like throughout like the development process. So that must be interesting to navigate. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. And luck, but luckily, you know, I've had wonderful collaborators who, when we do come up to that line, um, 
they'll say, you know, that we'll, we'll approach it with open-mindedness every time, you know, it's never, we're never shutting each other down. It's more like, okay, that's interesting. That wasn't what I was thinking, but <laughs> let's keep going and see what happens. And like, and For then sure. in the end, you know, in the end, either it works or it doesn't. And then right. we'll be really honest with each other. But like, if it's an idea that's new and not what I imagined, I'm, you know, this has happened a lot with Lydia and the Troll because Amina Kaplan is such a, an amazing imaginative collaborator. And, uh, and, and we constantly throw ideas at each other. And there are some times where we're like, huh, I mean, let's see it. And more often than not, it's just like, okay, yeah, that's awesome. I'm really glad I didn't, I'm really glad I didn't stamp that out. Cause that's amazing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's so cool. And it, I mean, it just like leaves the door wide open for, for play and growth. And that's so yeah. cool. So then when it comes time to hold auditions, um, how involved do you get to be with, um, with either choosing people to take on the roles that you've created or, um, you know, inviting people to, to audition who you think would be really right for it? Are, are there um, lots of opportunities for you to throw your, your opinion into the ring? I am, yeah. They, um, I'm, I'm very involved in in all the casting processes. I, I am, you know, I, I'm very realistic about my role. Um, I know that I am a writer, and I'm not a director, and I'm not a music director. So, um, so I might, I may have like my opinions, but I've, I've, I trust the director and the music director. Um, for instance, in. Uh, in for Lydia and the Troll, when we had auditions for Lydia and the Troll, uh, Amina Kaplan, the director, and Stephen Tran, my music director and orchestrator, um, I I have my opinions, but I will listen to what they say. If Stephen Tran says like, "Oh, this person's awesome, but they're not the style of uh, they're they're not they're not able to emulate the style of the genre that we're looking for," yeah, um, or or Amina Kaplan might say like that person's voice is dope but like they're not available you know they don't they don't feel as as available as we need them to be for this role or whatever you know yeah um emotionally intellectually uh, yeah yeah yeah. and i'm just and 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 i'm just like yeah i trust what you guys i don't do that (laughs) i don't i don't direct i'm and like and i'm i'm sitting there and i'm just like that person's cool they just said my words in an audition that's awesome (laughs) right (laughs) totally so (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, and they welcome my opinion, but for the most, you know, most of the time, at least like the initial impulse opinions, I'm always like, you guys talk first, you guys talk first, and then I'll jump in. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's interesting too to, um, to get to hear your perspective as a creator whose work has been so admired and, you know, so praised um on the west coast in your community um and now clearly you know coming across the states and um having your off-broadway debut with this with this show lizard boy um but i have i've had people on the pod who have been very open about their experience working regionally and how that is just as you know fulfilling and rewarding as what some would say is like you know the pinnacle, the Broadway, the the off Broadway stuff. Um, how important is it to you to have your work recognized and and produced um, in places like New York City? Is it is it something that you have always wanted, or um, are you just as comfortable with having theater companies across the country produce your works? 
I think when I was coming out of college, I was like, I have to go to New York because that's where theater is. Uh-huh. And I think like that's what I had thought for for a while. And, you know, I worked a lot as an actor and and um, and as a musician here in Seattle um, for some years just out of college, um, knowing that eventually I'm going to make it to New York and I'm going to do something there. Um, and then the more I kind of understood, especially as I started working as a writer and started connecting with my community here as a writer. And then eventually, you know, when we brought Lizard Boy to San Diego and then the Bay Area, connecting with those communities too, it became very clear to me that like New York is, is amazing and, and also not the only place where theater is happening. Right. <clears throat> and I think like, it took me a while to understand that. Um, uh, and, and at the same time, you know, like, while while New York is not the only place where theater is happening, New York is a place that a lot of people go to to experience theater. And because of that, I have still wanted my work to to show up there um, and to connect with people there. And, um, and, you know, my hope is eventually that, like, these things that I've written for my community here in Seattle, that, like, I will be able to license them so that they can be done you know, in regional theaters, wherever they want to do them. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I'm, I just, I love, yeah, I just love making those kinds of connections. Um, and, and, and it was, it's, it's wonderful now. Cause like my, 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 um, my point of view has shifted, uh, to, you know, not that, uh, for me, like, you know, obviously like New York is, is amazing and not the only place where theater happens. And, I would love to go to New York because I know that um, it's going to uh, kind of allow me a a sort of platform to be able to reach out even further. Um, so, so that's yeah. I think my dream, my real dream, is that like you know the stories that I write are continuing and just like I, you know wherever they are done, I don't really care where they're done. Um, I don't even, I don't even care if like the productions are good. I just want, I really want the stories <laughs> to be out there and I want people to, you know, people who see themselves in, in the protagonists of, of these stories to be able to connect to them and be able to understand that like, even if you haven't grown up seeing yourself as a hero of the story, like you're the hero in my story, you're the hero in all of my stories. So, um, so that's the, that's my aim. And, um, and I, I, I do still very, very much believe that New York is, is a part of that journey. For sure. And who knows what, what doors could open, you know, with a theater row and, and bringing your stories to New York. I think this city is so rich um, in terms of, of art and the, the web of creative people that you will just inevitably fall into, you know, being here. Um, so I'm so excited for you. This is so it's just, it's going to be great. Um, we touched on it a little bit before, but as far as I know, Seattle is a fairly queer centric place to be. And I would love to hear if you would be willing to share, um, what it was like to grow up as a, a queer Filipino kid in Seattle. Yeah, it was, um, uh, I always feel really like privileged and gross saying this, but it was easy. (laughs) No, it was like, I 
feel very privileged to, you know, to to say that that my experience growing up queer, I mean, you know, the, the what I saw on TV um, was what I saw on TV in terms of like the lack of representation or the representation of queer people being that they are the joke, right? Um, uh, or that they are the villains. Um, that was enough to keep me in the closet through most of high school. Um, but after I came out and it was, I was so warmly received. Well, I mean, like, was I warmly received or were people just like shrugging and saying like, yeah, we've known this since you were a child. (laughs) Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was very, it felt very, um, very easy. Um, to the point where like, I did get nervous anytime I left Seattle to go anywhere else. I was like, okay, well, I don't really know how queer people are received in this city or that town. So I'm going to try and hide it as best as I can mm-hmm. um, uh, until someone says, hey, girl. And I'm like, oh, yes. OK, great. We're in the same club. <laughs> um, so uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's wonderful. I mean, you know, there it's it, it's not like, you know, a queer Mecca by any means. It's definitely like um, but but we're here, you know, queer people are here. And particularly, like, the neighborhood that I live in, which is Capitol Hill, it's a very um, queer neighborhood. It's, you know, one of those places where the crosswalks are rainbows and um, and all of the good gay bars are here. Um, so, go. yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really easy. It's really great. And, I, you know, I remember... Um, uh, I remember, you know, early on um, in my life being nervous to hold hands in public with the person I was dating. And now I do that all the time. And I see other people. I see people who are younger than I was um, when I was nervous. I'm seeing young, young couples doing that comfortably. And it's just it makes me really happy to know that, like, this is a place where we feel comfy, cozy doing that, especially, you know, it is a touristy town. So sometimes you see tourists in from other places with, you know, I don't know, like camo patterns and American flags. It's so funny that like now American flags to me are just like a, like a red flag. They like America. Oh, um, yeah. True. But, uh, but, but, you know, still like, even, even though like we see, we see, we still see that when people come into Seattle from other places and we still feel comfortable, you know, being ourselves here, I think, says a lot about um, this city. Um, but yeah, I feel like the only like rival to our community is like the tech people. <laughs> As Amazon and Google and Microsoft <laughs> is expanding, we're seeing we're seeing more of them, <laughs> more of those, more of those people, <laughs> engineers, whatever that means. <laughs> No, they're great. I love them. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm just so glad to hear that you had such a wonderful experience because, um, like you said, more and more, I mean, I I graduated high school in 2015. It was not long ago that I was also, you know, in that in that world. And um, now to be able to see my little sister, who is 17, she's a senior about to graduate high school and her her perspective on, you know, queerness and and having friends who are trans and you know non-binary is just so different than what I had literally like eight years ago so it's just I'm so 
grateful for that for her and for you know that next like age of people coming up and i think it's only informed by and and aided by people like you who are quite literally creating these these narratives and these stories where people can see themselves children can can look up and see themselves um and how you mentioned it's not the the butt of the joke and it's not the the queer struggle story it's just an inherent element of who these characters are so that's so exciting and refreshing to hear yeah. i felt i have also felt very privileged in my in my queer experience because i was so so embraced by my mother and you know my family so um that it is important to acknowledge that like that is not the case for for the majority of the queer experience. Yeah. 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 And it's true. Like, and I, you know, I, 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 some, I sometimes like, you know, um, I, I, I say that I had a privileged kind of like upbringing um, uh, with some, I don't know. I don't know that it's shame. Maybe it's embarrassment, but I also have to remind myself, like, I think people need to know that I had a very, not a privilege, but I had a very easy, I was in a community that accepted me. And um, when I, when I didn't expect them to do that, um, coming out was very hard for me and my heart was racing. Um, But, uh, but I was immediately welcomed and accepted and like, um, and it is possible, you know, after seeing like, you know, the queer people that I did see in media, it was like, you know, people were, people came out to their parents and were kicked out of their homes. Um, and, uh, and, and that's why I, you know, like I was preparing myself for the very worst and, um, uh, and, 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 you know, I think it's helpful for, for young people who, who might be, afraid of that to know that like it's possible that you know you're 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 going to tell someone you're you know who who you are and they're going to say yes that is exactly who you are so 100 percent, and i think it's so exciting too to see um just baseline on like the commercial side of it that um new york city and broadway are really trying to embrace that way of thinking and um, embrace that type of, of storytelling to be put on stage. Are there things that you are excited to be able to see while you're in New York? I mean, I hope I have the time and energy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you're going to be hustling. Oh my God. But I mean, like, you know, it's really meaningful to me. So, so here lies love. Um, uh, they had a production here in Seattle and I have, I have some, um, I have some mixed feelings <laughs> about Here Lies Love. Do tell. But it's, it's meaningful to me that there's a Filipino story out there. It's meaningful to me to see that many Filipino artists on stage together. Yes. Um, speaking Tagalog and like, um, and, and telling a, a piece of our history. Um, I think my mixed feelings stem from glamorizing this like evil dictator. <laughs> well, I mean, classic. We've seen it. With you know, we've seen it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and it's just, yeah, I think, I think that I, my mixed feelings are like partying with Imelda because I'm like, I would never party with Imelda. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm so freaking stoked. Um, for for here lies love. I worked with Ariel Jacobs a long time ago, and um, and I'm so excited for her. Yes. Um, and uh, and 
Yeah, and I'm so I'm really hoping that I get to I get to go experience it there, experiencing it here in Seattle. I mean, like for all of the you know opinions that I have, it was one of the coolest theater experiences I've ever ever had. Like they, you know, they did it the same way they do it everywhere else, where it was here at Seattle Rep, and they gutted the theater and built a dance floor. Right. And the experience was so freaking amazing and seamless. They moved the audience around and I never felt like I was confused or being shoved in a certain direction. I Uh was like a part of it. And it was like that kind of immersive experience is so rare. Um, And, uh, and the fact that it was, uh, it was intertwined with a Filipino story was so incredible to me yeah so. that's amazing and was was ariel jacobs part of that original production that you saw no no okay. it was um jg it was jg makubai um uh and um yeah but i'm stoked i'm stoked for ariel oh my yeah. gosh i saw the announcement and i screamed yes i know <laughs> i talked about it last episode i was like this is gonna be so good i can't wait yes. to see that show <laughs> Well, regrettably, I still have not seen And Juliet, which is like this, you know, buzzed about queer show. So I'm, I really want to see it. Maybe we'll just see it together. I when would you, love that. Off. Yes, please. Because honestly, like that is also that's also on my list. I um I I listened to the Broadway cast recording, and I was like, okay, this is um this is what I'm going to listen to for the next like two months. Like not <laughs> this one. That'll be my personality. Thank you. This is my personality. Yes, exactly. This is, this is it. This is it for me. Um, yeah, definitely, and Juliet. Love it. Well, Justin, thank you so much for being on the pod. Would you tell the listeners where um, they can find you on socials? I am on Instagram, um, at Justin Huertas. I am on uh, Twitter, but I never use it. Um, <laughs> so I would say find me on Instagram. <laughs> Yes. And can you tell the listeners, um, when when does Lizard Boy go up officially off Broadway? Yes, Lizard Boy's first performance is going to be June 1st. Um, and, uh, and then we're set to run until July 1st. Um, I don't know if we're going to extend, but buy your tickets and we'll see. Because yes. <laughs> I would love to extend. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, thank you so, so much. This was so fun and you are such a delight. Oh, I can't wait to meet you when I'm there. I know. We're going to party. We're going to be besties. (laughs) You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.